Hello and welcome everybody to the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. We're back, baby. We are back. <laughs> Jim's here, Stan's here. We are still in lockdown, but hopefully not for too much longer, lads. Yeah, I'm waiting to see what Boris's roadmap is out of this uh, out of this joint on the road to nowhere. Mm. Boris's roadman. <laughs> Boris, yeah. Max and Paddy, all on the road to nowhere. But a team that is on the road to nowhere... It's Tottenham, and I'm smiling like a Cheshire cat when I say this because I backed West Ham this weekend, Stan, and I couldn't see it going any other way, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, where to start? Well done to West Ham, by the way, going into uh, into top four, sneaking into fourth, Mr Lingard doing bits, um, Suchek breaking his face and carrying on anyway. Love, lovely to see in this day and age of all these bloody divers. Um, yeah. Are you Tom? Oh, Gale, yeah. Please? yeah, I mean, West Ham, West Ham were the favourites for me, and that's not. I'm not even joking. Obviously, with the, with the form and, and everything, look at the two sides. You know, Spurs should be winning the game on paper, but the game isn't played on paper. So yeah, I'm not surprised you backed the West Ham. Uh, West Ham win there, Cook, and they thoroughly deserved it. Two to one, they were at home. I mean, I, I was intrigued by that price just as I was intrigued at the 16-5 to 5 price of PSG midweek that Jim alluded to me earlier on. But I, I honestly, given the way Spurs were playing, Jim, and the way West Ham are playing, I could literally, like I said then, I could only see it going one way and Lingard's playing fucking class at the moment. Yeah, you're not, like I said, you're not surprised that result when you probably should be when you look at the two teams, the 11s on paper. But yeah, Lingard's arrived there and you know what, fair play to him, like he's had so much stick. Um the past few years um, he was great at the World Cup and then he kind of went downhill from there a bit and couldn't get back into United to his side but he's still a player with confidence and you've got to respect that because player with confidence can be dangerous especially when they're playing well and he's playing very well and I'm pretty sure West Ham fans will want him to be signed permanently next season Yeah Stan obviously you know Jesse Lingard more than the average Joe and I was very surprised when I seen that he was 28 years young <laughs> uh, after this performance but better late than never Stan I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't really say that I think he's still played his best football at United I don't think he's playing really well but I mean that, like Jim mentioned that World Cup and the season before it he was you know in the United side every week in a season where we ended up finishing second in the league and, and getting to an FA Cup final so I'm not too shocked obviously a lot of people forget how old he is um, there's all those jokes about you know he's an up and coming player and stuff like that but I'm really happy for him I'm not going to be too revisionist and act like you know United shouldn't have let him go or that I didn't want him to to go I think it was the right time for him to move on um, you know we've got Bruno in there we've still got Van der Beek who hasn't even got close to getting in the 11 yet but you know you would say is at a higher level than Mr Lingard and obviously Pogba probably isn't playing in the position he'd like to so when you've got those types of players wanting to play in the, the area where Lingard is. I'm just happy that United have given him this loan and he's he's doing so well. It's nice to see. And yeah. you know what he does too? He, I know you just you just changed your background picture there to the, the backstreet moids, as Michael Antonio called him on Twitter. Oh, he he, make, he makes a squad happy. He does, so you can't deny it. Where when he's when he's dancing around celebration, you get laughed at, but look look how happy he was, and especially with um last week when Rice took the penalty off him and he was laughing about it afterwards. I mean, when you play the smile on your face, some players are just better. No, definitely. You can you can like you can say what you want about Lingard, and trust me, people will say he's just like an annoying little 
social media kid. But like Jim just alluded to then, he's, he brings a feel-good factor to the squad and credit mm. where credit's due there with Moise. He's actually got West Ham ticking at the moment and it looks like that that bit of January business, Stan, in getting Lingard in on loan could tick the hammers going from last year into a relegation scrap to potential Champions League, Europa League places this year. It could, yeah. I mean, I know we spoke about Villa doing similar last week and, you know, they've, they've brought in a few signings, West Ham particularly, Suchek and obviously Lingard more recently and it's propelled them up to up to the level that we're seeing them play at. I think that um, it's important to keep Antonio fit. I think Jared Bowen's a very good signing. Obviously, Declan Rice has gone up a level, but, you know, they've got a really good team. I know you spoke about the feel-good factor with Lingard, but he's probably bought a a bit of an elite mentality. I know they were doing well before it anyway, but he's grew up at United, come through the ranks. He's won trophies at United, albeit, you know, not the biggest ones, but he's probably won more than the rest of the West Ham squad put together. And, you know, he's like Jim said as well, he's, he's played for England and got to a World Cup semi-final. So it's probably a very good mentality to have around, not just for the, you know, the joy that he clearly brings to the squad, but probably for the focus and the, the standards that he demands uh, coming from coming from United and, and playing for England. So, yeah, doing really well. And, and like Jim said, they probably will want him to, to stay next year, which is brilliant for all parties. It's probably the best thing that could have could have happened for for everybody. Yeah, realistically, Jim, just last thing on West Ham, how, how much do you reckon a player like Jesse Lingard's worth in this current market, especially if he gets a plane ticket to the Euros? I mean, he is... He's got some competition in that area in Madison, Barkley, Mason Mount. He, he he does have competition for places, even Phil Foden, you could say, for that number ten role. But how much do you reckon Lingard's probably worth in this in this current market? Um, yeah, I, I think his his time at England's probably over, and I, I think I look back at it with happy memories. In fairness to, I mean, he's a player that I didn't think I'd like so much, but I do. Um, but I, I think I don't know about exact pricing, but considering his age. Considering he would probably want to play for for, for first team football for West Ham rather than sitting United's bench, he's he's not going to have any qualms about that. I mean, he's had a good career at United, and United, like Stan was saying, for I've got the players in this position now. Did they don't need him? I, I think West Ham could get him on a, on a fairly cheap deal considering what he's added to the team already, and I think it looks like he's kind of playing for that contract at the minute to me. Yeah, it'd be superb business if they can get Jesse Lingard in there for less than twenty million quid, as opposed. I'd, to... Yeah, I'd be surprised. I'd be very surprised if he goes for more than twenty million. Yeah, I think I think it'd be further, you know, towards the ten million mark. Mm. Yeah, they they had a bid rejected for Morgan Sanson West Ham last summer for thirty million quid, and then he ended up going to Villa for just fifteen million in the yeah. January window just gone. So. It looks like good business all around. Sanson's gone to Villa for a bit cheaper. They've got Lingard in on loan at the moment. And like you said, you'll probably get him, if you were to average them two prices, for about 15 million quid for an England international or ex-England international, whatever way you want to look at it. It brings good pedigree to West Ham and that's what they need. And maybe that'll keep players like Declan Rice around that there is more people like that coming into the club. Yeah, it's a no-brainer if they can get him 15 million. Well, yeah. yeah, obviously we've been a bit wax lyrical about Lingard here, but he brings energy and you can you can hate him for whatever he does for his celebrations or for his social media antics, but he has improved West Ham, whether you like it or not. So West Ham, I in that top four and hopefully getting in the Champions League spots for Moise, but a team that 
it's looking like they might not even get the top four this year, Jim. How the mighty have fallen for Jurgen's Redmen. The first time Everton have won at Anfield in, I believe it's 20 years? Yeah, 99 wasn't it? Jeez. Um, yeah, first time this millennium, you could say. First time they've beaten them since 2010 at all in the league, I think it was, he said. I think it was 12 years since they beat them home or away, so... Yeah, um, but yeah, they'll they'll be they're buzzing about that. Um, I still see tweets today, and I think it happened Saturday night, didn't it? Uh, but fair, fair play to him. I mean, if he was going to be Liverpool any season, it was this one because uh, Anfield so far in the past six games, they drew two, lost four, and scored two goals. And I can't remember the goals. I think one goal was against us, and one was against West Brom in a one-all draw. But um, yeah, I mean. We've said it like a few times, so I mean, I'm not going to go too much into it. I just think just just change your system, um, Klopp. Otherwise, you will just keep losing because at this point, even a loss to Everton at Anfield isn't that surprising anymore. No, it's not. And obviously, Stan, like you said, 1999 then was the last time Everton turned up at Anfield and got the three points. They, they started Henderson at centre-back in this game again, like we alluded to last week. He needs to change it up. Otherwise, you get you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting something different to happen. I was watching it with Dunny, friend of the pod, and I was just saying, I don't get, because the lad, basically Henderson, for anyone that didn't watch it, Henderson went off injured and I think it was his hamstring, I think it was, and they ended up bringing on, uh, is it, is it Nico Phillips or Summit Phillips? I could be Matt Phillips. Nico, uh, yeah, Matt Phillips. Yeah. You're, doing a, you're doing a mashup of Nico Williams and Matt Phillips. <laughs> and they've got Anne Reese Williams as well somewhere in there. Be a lovely average player. But, but, but this lad this lad that came on for Liverpool, uh, Phillips, he literally looks like you could have plucked him from Barbar. Literally looks like your average <laughs> Joe, run, run of the mill bloke. But I'd, I'd still, if I'm, if I'm Klopp, you still just got to stick a centre-back in there though. Like I said, he'd, he'd get served in Barbar too. He's fucking massive. What's he fucking wood? He's about yeah. seven foot twelve. <laughs> But but like like we said last week, you need to get Henderson and Fabinho when fit back into that midfield, and you can't keep doing this expecting different results, can you, Jim? No, I just think I think on on Saturday night, obviously, <laughs> he mentioned it about five thousand times that it was a bit windy, like it was just windy for Liverpool, was it? But anyway, it was it was only Liverpool trying to play a sixty yard ball into like. A gusting wind and expecting it to land to Trent's feet every single time. I don't think one of them switches worked all game. There's a reason Everton didn't do any of them all game. It's because you think about it. I mean, think on your feet. Your tactic might be thrown out the window a bit, but I mean, the world class professionals put it on the ground and do something different. But like you say, all game they didn't and they didn't come with anything. Um, a few half chances. I think Pickford played well, um, but he, it's not like he made save after save, was it? No. no, I mean, I think, I think, like, I mean, we spoke about the play style a few times before, but I think if you break it down into defense, midfield, and attack, just every like defense looks shaky. Even Allison looks shaky in the past few weeks, which he just never has. Uh, midfield just completely lacks intensity and any like legs at all, overplaying too much in that midfield. One of the best things about Liverpool is how direct they were. They almost bypassed the midfield to give it to the fullbacks and the forwards. And the forwards, it's like Jim said last week when we were speaking about the key players, if Salah doesn't score at the moment, Liverpool don't score. So it's not just one thing. I know they're talking about the centre-backs a lot, but they're not intense in the midfield. They're not doing anything going forward. Like Jim said, the switches of play and crossing it in, very direct. But they've been doing that for weeks now and 
none of the forwards have been getting on the end of anything to try something different. But yeah, just yeah. just rubbish again. Fourth uh, home defeat in a row uh, for the first time in nearly a hundred years at Anfield. Um, it's just not good enough. And I, I I do think that that loss, obviously flip side for Everton, who I'm sure we'll get on to, but that loss for Liverpool is quite a big a significant loss with you know the dates and stuff and the fact that Everton just don't win there it kind of shows how badly their confidence and their mentality is at the moment the fact that Everton can go there and be the better team and win 2-0 and look comfortable like Jim said yeah Jim Everton only had 28% of the ball for the entirety of the game and they ran out 2-0 winners Liverpool having 72% of the ball but like you said not really doing anything with it Pickford didn't really have a lot to do next to nothing to do which is so surprising, but it correlates with the, the shit form of Bobby Firmino, who's such a massive player for them as well. He's got six league goals this season, but he's he's not pulling his weight. Mane looks like a completely different player this season as well. So I, I, I just think that you need you need to you need to drop one of them players, give them a kick up the arse. If they're not doing the job, you have to drop them. Drop well, someone. He, he, he did, he did, he did. Do you not remember he played? I think he. I don't know if Mane was injured, but he played Shakiri, Salah, and Origi as a front three for a little bit, and it was just as bad. So I don't know what he's supposed to do. I mean, I'm, that's not me trying to say he has tried other things, but he has had injuries to that front three and dropped, uh, you know, different parts of it and things like that. So I don't really know what where he goes from here. I think that's an issue, which, you know, we spoke about last week. Yeah, I just I think as well, obviously, we can talk about how lacklustre Liverpool were there, but, Jim, did Ancelotti get his tactics right for this one? They set up 5-3-2 and ended up playing with Richarlison and James kind of just as a, a floating player. But 28% of the ball, they ran out 2-0 winners. Did Carlo get it spot on here? Um, yeah, you can't say he didn't. Um, I mean, I think he managed the game very well. He'd have been very happy with scoring so early. I mean, that just changed the entire game. I mean, when Everton tactic, they're just going to soak up the ball and try and take the little chances they get. If a team like that goes 1-0 up early on, the the opposing team's just like, they just so hard from then. Um, and it was a lovely goal, a bit of a bit of class from Hammers, um, putting the ball through to Richarlison and from that angle and the kind of player he is, you didn't think he'd miss and it was a great finish. Um, and then after that, taking Hammers off because he's not a willing runner, I don't think, and bringing DCL on. He held up the ball a bit better when it wasn't sticking with Richarlison. It's just, that's what world-class managers do. They, they manage the game better. And never mind, you might not have been able to manage such a game and Liverpool might have got something out of that one. I think I think the timing of that, Calvert-Lewin's club was really, really you know well well thought out like you mentioned Liverpool were putting pressure on Everton the ball just wouldn't stick up the pitch I think they did have a few moments remember Michael Key making a brilliant tackle on Mane um, when he got his feet mixed up a little bit and uh, yeah I, I remember putting in the chat that you know they need Calvert-Lewin to come on just so they can keep the ball up there and they've got a little bit more of a threat a little bit more for the defenders to think about because I didn't think Liverpool had a lot to worry about until he came on and obviously they won the penalty for him Richarlison breaking it and playing Calvert-Lewin through so yeah credit to Ancelotti there with that one yeah but it was never a penalty it was, it was one of the worst decisions I've seen all season I it's, couldn't believe it was given yeah I mean I, I see the arguments both ways because obviously he'd slid and he was down on the floor and then you could argue well what the fuck is he supposed to do if he's on the floor but he, if he's not there Calvert-Lewin bags 
just taps that in. And but Trent, to me, Trent but, being yeah. on the floor obstructs him, and it does make him fall over. Whether you know he, he kicked a leg out or not, he was in the way of a easy goal scoring opportunity. So I kind of see. I think it was very soft, and I think I actually said I've never actually seen a penalty given like that where somebody slid and then in the second movement somebody's fallen over the lad that's on the floor and that's been given. It's normally yeah. obviously. I, I get I get the logic to, to, to about why it was given, but to me. He slid and he's missed the man and he's missed the ball. He just had to block a shot. Cavalier's got his shot off. So that's the first action done. And the second yeah. action, Trent's yeah. just like lying there and Cavalier's just ran into him. It's, it's almost as if a defender was just stood still and the striker just run straight into him. It's not it's, it's not a foul, is it? Yeah. It's, it's, that's, it's that's one of them. How I've seen it. I, I think after a few minutes, minutes that, that. Sorry, that's sorry. My, no, I was going to say, if that was yeah. my team and we didn't get that, I'd be fucking fuming because that, that's what I'd I was going to say. I, I, I think if that, yeah, yeah. I think if that goes against you, you're fuming. But if that's in a big, like this was a fucking huge game for Everton, and Calvert Lewin's about to tap it in ten minutes from the end to make it two 0 and Trent gets in his way. So I think if you're in that moment, you're fucking fuming because if he's if he's not slid in front of him and got in his way whilst he's trying to run onto that loose ball. He taps it into an open net. So I see both ways. I think I'd be fuming if it went against me, but I'd be fuming in that moment if they didn't get it. Do you get what I mean? But there we go. We, we're used to talking about VAR decisions every week anyway. We are. And the, the the thing was, I thought Everton had potentially scored too early, if that was even like a thing. They scored like three minutes in. And Raheem Sterling, he was there very early as well in Man City's 1-0 win over Arsenal away from home, but not your conventional Sterling at the back post tapping, was it, Jim? It was more of a a bloody Peter Crouch bullet header from Razim. <laughs> it's two headers in a row for Sterling now. His last two goals have been headers. Um, but yeah, I think even Robolding was surprised he was in there trying to head it. Robolding <laughs> but... looking for his air, probably, mate. <laughs> I think if, if, if he didn't have a receipt, no land, he'd have got that one. Probably. But... <laughs> But no, it was a good goal. I mean, I'm not gonna. I can't talk too much about this city performance. It was pretty boring. I mean, from from our standards recently, it was a poor performance. But the first ten minutes, it was attack after attack, and Mares must have had Tierney one on one about ten times in the first ten minutes, and he killed him every single time. His cross was perfect. His touch every single time you do a switch to him is perfect, which goes a bit unnoticed. I mean, not not enough people talk about. How, Literally, he doesn't miss a touch. His first touch puts the defender on the back foot every single time. Uh, yeah, great goal. And I mean, City weren't great, but like the City today with Fernandinho in front of Diaz and Stones, you kind of trust them to hold out a 1 0. Um, Fernandinho put a, lot, put a lot of fires in midfield, and Stones and Rodri, no, Stones and Diaz just thought like, he wasn't getting beaten all day. So. Yeah. It's just one of them get the result and go home, I think. It was professional. Yeah. It was a professional performance. Yeah, it, it wasn't a, a particularly great performance, but you know, when you're however many games we are from the end of the season, you've just got to keep winning. So I know a 1-0 win away at Arsenal is a good result, you know, no matter how you get it. But a question I've got for you, Jim. I've seen a few City fans talking about it. Do you think that now this might sound fucking ridiculous, so forgive me if it does. But do you think De Bruyne in the City team makes City a worse team at the moment? Uh, I've, seen, I've seen City fans arguing that you're not as fluid when he plays. I, I, I can kind of see, I kind of see where you're coming from, um, but no, surely not. I mean, 
De Bruyne's, there's been times, even even when we've been winning games um, over this 18-match streak, where I thought, oh, fucking hell, we needed De Bruyne to do something special because he gets the ball. Like, the game at Villa, um, when we got the dodgy offside decision, I was thinking, if only we had De Bruyne for this game. Even Everton last weekend, I didn't think we played well and Mares didn't have a piece of magic to put us up. But um, I can see why you took him off for Jesus. One for... He's only just came back to match fitness, but two, we actually played a lot better. And Jesus does a lot more running up there. And he's the false nine, he does trick teams and trick centre backs, but sometimes you need that focal point in there. Yeah. And I think in City's best team, I don't think De Bruyne plays up front, I would argue. I, I think he would play next to Gundogan. But Bernardo Silva at the minute is simply playing too good to drop. Yeah, and that's a complete 180 on his form towards the back end of last season. And definitely at the start of this season, he was playing like a shadow of his former self, Bernardo. But for me, Stan, KDB has to be the first name on this team sheet just because I I think he's the league's best player, in my opinion. And I think his versatility, like Jim said, he played false nine. You can Belgian play him on the wing. I don't know if City do that sometimes, but he can literally play anywhere. And I, like I said, I think yeah. he's the best player in the league and you have to have him in your team. I don't care how many games you've won in a row. You've won 18 in, on the spin uh, with a lot of, without him. Imagine how many you're going to win with him. So Yeah. He, yeah. What I will say though, he, he isn't as untouchable as what some people will make out. I mean, he's a brilliant player, but I don't think he's had a good season. And he and he's still right up there for player of the year, which to me is just mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but City, C- C- he's not been injured that long though. And I mean, even when he's been injured, he's still he's still like third favorite of player of the year. And City are a team where I know they're about getting messy in this individual brilliance, but they aren't a team that has individual brilliance really they're, they're, they're a collective they're all brilliant otherwise it wouldn't work we don't go through one man and I think sometimes especially earlier this season we was going through De Bruyne so much so that other players like Bernardo and Mares and Foden just weren't getting involved and it hindered us I'd be interested to see um, you know once De Bruyne does slot back into that midfield whether Gundogan can keep up his, his goal scoring exploits or whether he was given a different role whilst De Bruyne was out. I think it'd be a bit of a shame for him with how well he did if he goes back to a very simple, you know, double pivot role whilst De Bruyne goes back into 10. But we'll see, like you said, obviously, if De Bruyne is fit, he plays because of who he is. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I, I think I, it's I, more... I am, imp- I am impressed with how City and Gundogan in particular have, have adapted whilst he's been out. So I just thought I'd ask the question because I did see some people talking about whether they are better currently at the moment as a unit without him or at least play nicer if that is if it, yeah if I, I think I won't be worried too much about Gundogan because when we had David Silver and De Bruyne we didn't have one turn it was more of a 2-8 and they both go anyway and you just leave <laughs> Fernandinho there and I think he will continue to do that and instead of just leaving Rodri there Cancelo tucks in and it gives you that kind of help to stop a counter-attack so I, I think in our best team them two play and it's whether he wants to put Bernardo up front or Foden up front or stick with a more traditional Jesus or even Aguero now he's back. Um, oh, hopefully man. we get to see Aguero in the next few weeks. Uh, I think you'll be saying your goodbyes at the end of the season, to be honest with you, Jim, with Sergio. It pains me to say it. One of the best strikers, definitely in premistry, in my opinion. One of the best that I've seen with my own eyes. Uh, it's yeah. going to be a shame if Aguero, if Aguero leaves because he's definitely a Premier League legend. And that, that result puts City 10 points clear. Arsenal now ironically 10th in the league and City win again but the thing is with City 
it's De Bruyne being absent, injured or whatever, has finally spurred more players like Gundogan to pick up the load. And he's like, I'm not going to do it all on my fucking on my own because he he was racking up the assists last year, and finally they spread it out. Okay, so going from the blue side of Manchester to the red side, Man United ran out 3-1 winners against the Toon Newcastle United. Eight losses in the last 10 for Steve Bruce, but United solidifying that second place in the Prem stand. Yeah, um, awful performance by us for about 75 of the 90 minutes. Uh, Probably worse than the Sheffield United performance at home, but we managed to win this time, which doesn't bode well for Newcastle. Uh, obviously didn't have McTominay or Cavani so you lose a lot of a lot of legs in the spine of the team when them two are out and especially when you replace them with Martial and Matic who you know Matic I'll let him off because he's getting on but Martial just doesn't like to move at all but yeah going into the game I I mean I think Oli needs to make a call with his centre-back and uh, his goalkeeper. I think Maguire's obviously nailed on. I think he gets a lot of stick. I do think he's our best centre-back by a distance. He just needs somebody like Baye next to him, but he keeps playing Lindelof. And obviously De Gea, for me, was more at fault than anybody for their goal with you know a floated cross coming into his six-yard box. And, and there's some United fans saying they think Oli have made the call with Lindelof and, and De Gea playing, but I just think that's the wrong one. And no pace in the centre-backs. I thought that, you know... Newcastle tried to exploit that. I thought Almiron and, and St. Maximan were dangerous all game. Obviously, St. Maximan ended up scoring, uh, equalising after you know the mistake I was on about with Maguire. Having to try and flick it away because his keeper's too scared to come and claim the ball just after Rashford's brilliant solo goal. But uh, I thought Newcastle actually played very well in the first half. We, we butted up in the second half, but I was very happy when Steve Bruce took Almiron and St. Maximan at some put off in, in the second half. And, and I know that Jamie and Robbie weren't very pleased at that happening, uh, but I, I was, which kind of says a lot about how they performed and how, how much, how many problems that, you know, they caused us or how worried I was when they got the ball, should I say. So not a good result for Newcastle at all. I think they should have took something out of that game, especially with how badly we played and how well they pressed us in that first half. But yeah, it, it, it looks bleak for them at the moment is it 12 losses in the last 16 or something I saw so really really not good and especially like like I said I think they got took off at 2-1 as well St Maximan and Almiron so you're still chasing the game and he took comfortably for me the two best players in that in that game and 3-1 they I, took him off at 3-1 he took him off at oh did he take him off at 3-1 well same again I mean he's obviously just cut his losses there and decided right it's fuck this so let's bring you know, whoever even, I can't even remember who came on, but it's got to be disheartening as a Newcastle fan, you know, not even trying to make it difficult for us. You saw how we crumbled against Everton with the last kick of the game. So maybe the manager's personality transcended to, the, to you know, those decisions and, and how Newcastle finished the game, which was just drab. It was. And Jim, obviously with West Brom taking a point off Man United the other week, Newcastle definitely should have smelt blood here, shouldn't they? Yeah, I like like Sam said. I, I don't know if he played well. I think maybe it's a bit harsh to judge him on this game. Obviously, I think Bruce deserves a lot of criticism for what he's done this season. But for a lot of that game, considering the talent both teams had, Newcastle were arguably the better side. I mean, they look a bit fluttered sometimes at the back. Uh, United, um, definitely, yeah, especially in the first half, yeah. like Fred De Gea, he was all he was making like some wayward passes. And I think just come from the pressure. I think Almiron played very well. I love watching him play because he just runs so hard. It must be 
so good as a fan to watch a player like that, even in these times for Newcastle. And then, like you said, the most dangerous player, St. Maxman scored. Um, did you see when he sent Dan James on his yeah. bike? Yeah, and oh, so, I mean, it ended in nothing, but it was brilliant either way. <laughs> yeah, he's, I but, rate him a lot. I like him a but, lot. But yeah, I, I thought he played well, and Rashford had two moments of brilliance to win the penalty, and his goal was brilliant. Um, another than if it wasn't for that brilliance, they probably would have nicked something. Um, but yeah, like you was touching on, the substitution was just it was baffling taking up your two best players, the best yeah. performers too. Yeah, so that definitely brings Newcastle in hot water. Fulham winning 1-0 at the weekend against already relegated. I think we can we can say Sheffield United, Stan, surely. But three points difference now between Fulham and Newcastle. And as Jim has sneakily, sneakily alluded to me in the break, there is Fulham versus Newcastle on the last game of the season. So it'll be very interesting to see and what the, happens there. And the bare goal difference, Cork. It's Fulham's. Shit. So if Fulham win that game and they're still three points off, as long as they don't get battered in between, they could be last um, final week heartbreak for Newcastle and it might be what Bruce deserves. Welcome back, ladies and gents. It is time... Oh, oh, it is that time for the bet of the week. I know it's the time of the week you look forward to the most. You spent a lot this weekend. You've treated yourself to that big bottle of Prosecco and that Domino's and your bank balance is feeling it a bit now. So I'm going to try and help you out. Try and help you treat your pig next weekend because I know that's what a big month February is for that. So listen up and you'll win some money. So initially I've gone for Man City at home to West Ham. We've been very wax lyrical about the Hammers, but I think they're going to get beat to nil here by Pep Guardiola's men. Then we go straight to Ellen Road. We've got Leeds versus Aston Villa. I've gone both teams score result Leeds in this one. Then we head to St. James's Park. I've gone for a Wolves away win against Newcastle. And then just to finish off, I've gone for West Brom Brighton under 2.5. So just to recap, Man City to nil at home to West Ham. West Brom versus Brighton under 2.5. Leeds versus Aston Villa, both teams to score result Leeds. And Newcastle versus Wolves, I've gone for an away win for Wolverhampton Wanderers. And Stan, what can the listeners do with the information that I've just presented to them? You can shove it up your ackers. Right, Stan and Jim, listeners as well. There's been many, many people up for this award this year. A couple have gone. A couple have somehow still hung in there. Uh, it's, the, it's the sack race. It's the race nobody wants to win. But there's a few candidates. I mean, I personally think, Stan, it's, a, it's, it's probably too late to sack Chris Wilder now. I feel like they've accepted their fate. Yeah, I think they would have done it by now. Um, it's weird, to be honest, because looking at the table, it's hard to actually pick a sat. I think, like you say, Sheffield have already gone, so I think they would have done it by now. West Brom brought Allardyce in to save them, so, you know, well, I don't know why they get rid of him now. I mean, it looks very, very unlikely. Um Fulham doing really well to Parker's not going to go anywhere. I don't think Newcastle get rid of Bruce whilst, you know, the dropping down there. I think it would be a little bit risky to change him now. Uh, although I'm sure Newcastle fans would love that. And past that, a bit further up, I think everybody's doing well enough, to be honest. Uh, maybe only Mourinho sat in ninth. Um, 
I'll chuck him eight points. You stand. Go on. Roy Hodgson. I think the only reason he gets sacked is because I think hasn't he, he's not got very long on his contract yet, has he? And he's already come out and said that you should sort the players' contracts out before you sort mine. So I don't think it'll be a a sacking. It might be like a mutual kind of. Yeah, he like, is I'll old. go. Like, I'll go now, and he can. He's been there a few years, so you know they might agree to just like I say mutually, mutually resign, and then um, yeah they'll get somebody new in. But in terms of sacking him, uh, you know they're sat fourteenth in the table. That's pretty par for. But Seven from the drop Palace. could all change yeah, very quickly, couldn't it? For for it could, but I, I don't think so. I think they'll be all right. They, they always tend to be all right. Like I say, I think maybe Jose, just because of the brand of football, they've got two wins in the last nine. One of them being a, a Europa League game, which you'd expect them to win anyway. Um, I think the only reason he's there is because they've got a League Cup final coming up. I think I think if that League Cup final wasn't on the horizon, they would have. The pressure would be on Jose now. I think. He's got that because he's got him there. And I think the main reason they brought him in is is to win him a trophy. I think you know what football he's, he's going to play. So I think using that against him is maybe a little bit harsh. But yeah, I think I think he would be gone by now if, if he didn't have that final. But past that, I think it's pretty weird at this point in the, in the season. There's usually a couple of standout candidates of teams that are massively underperforming. But I think a lot of the managers will get a pinch of salt because of the season it's been. And I think a lot of teams are, are in transition. So... Mm, but in transition, fairly enough. But one of them teams that are in transition at the moment, fucking Burnley have transitioned with new owners, but they're still same style of play. They're only six points from the drop. Brighton are only four points from the drop. Uh, like we said before, Newcastle, three points from the drop. It all could change. With 14 games left to go, there's still a lot of teams there that I think it's literally going to be is who's the who's the shittest in terms of like who, who, sorry who's the who's the least good because there are a lot of shit teams there like Sheffield United and West Brom probably gone Fulham I would like to stay up Newcastle are boring as hell Brighton they try and play football which I don't mind but I would sooner a Brighton go down than a Fulham just because like we said on previous pods I feel like Fulham are quite an OG Prem team but Jim, who do you think? I know Stan said Jose's got his cup final to look forward to, his date with destiny, but do you think if he didn't have that in the bank, he would potentially be gone by now, or are they just too cheap? Um, I, w- I was debating this with a um, friend of the pod, Jay, the other day, actually looking Master at the odds. In it with Jay. It's been a while since we mentioned Jay. Hi, Jay. It is. Hi, uh, you are, Jay. Hi, you're not. Fuck off, Jay. You won't even hear this. But anyway... Onto the pod, um, and I was looking at the odds. Um, like you said, you said a lot of names. Uh, I think Wilder they've accepted the fate. If Fulham go down, I think Park has been good enough to prove that he shouldn't be sacked. Should be given at least another year. Um, I was worried about Hart and Hootall, and I was worried about Nuno and Southampton just got a big result against Chelsea. And Nuno's, I think he's won seven points from his last nine, last three games. So seven, seven out of nine. Um, I don't think Royal gets that. He's too good of a manager, and it'd be more of a contract situation. If he was to get let go, it, it would be like before next season, so it won't count as this season. Yeah. And I was actually so stumped for names, really, that I think you best probably having a better no manager to leave because it's we're late into the season now. We're in business end. You, Jose's cup final it's only like three weeks before the season ends so would it not just be daft to just sack him right to the end and just wait why wouldn't you just wait until yeah. the end of the season 
And then the only other one I can see happening, which would be quite funny, is if Sam Allardyce wants to hold on to his no relegation title and just falls out with the manager and ends up getting sacked. He's definitely jumping, lad. He's not getting yeah, sacked. He's jumping, big Sam. That, that's the only thing I could see happening, but I know. Um, Steve Breach, potentially, if Newcastle get dragged into a, a proper scrap. But then they've acted too late if they do it now, so they might as well just bite the bullet. Oh, that's might be what Mike actually thinks. He might think, I've held on to Bruce for so long. It's so risky to bring in someone else now because it might yeah. even go worse. Let's the guys might not be greener. Stan, yeah. say hypothetically, they sack Bruce, Newcastle. Who'd you get? Like, who's out there? Oh, fucking hell. So, that's what I mean. It's all well and good. Eddie Howe. There's the name. Uh, Frank Lampard? No. Um, maybe no. Eddie, 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 any of them two? Yeah, Eddie R. We've already mentioned. I mean, you'd, you'd probably want to stay away from that merry-go-round of managers. Probably Mark Hughes is available. I'm sure. Um, but I mean, sure it is. It's, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult for you to go for. But I, I mean, that. I know it is risky, Cook. Yeah, but I'll, put, I'll pose this question to you. You do very often see an upturn in form when a new manager comes in. Players want to impress. Do you think it would be worth the risk for any of those three or four teams that we've mentioned down there, obviously barring West Brom and Sheffield too? Particularly Newcastle, I can't see any of those doing it, so I'll, I'll, I'll change it. Do you think it would be worth Newcastle changing their manager in an attempt to maybe get a run of four or five games, going to see a move a few places up the table? Is it worth the risk or do you hold on to Bruce? I, I think it's 100% worth the risk. Sometimes you've just got to, you've just got to roll the dice. and The 17th now... 25 games into the season they've got 13 games left so they've literally got 39 points on offer there you have to you have to get it gone you're 25 games into the season now and you've had him the entirety of last season you know what he's about you know that put it this way if you're a Newcastle player and Steve Bruce is coming into the dressing room are you really are you really wanting to play for him him who fucking asks how the bacon is to the reporter no, you, you're not going to. He's got no tactics <laughs> mounts. He doesn't. He's kind of cute, though. Yeah, obviously, that goes without saying, but, <laughs> but he's got no tactical mounts. That'll only get him so far, Jim. His looks will fade. <laughs> I don't know when, but they will fade at some point. But nah, they need to bite the bullet. Like you said, there are managers out there that could potentially do a job. Like you said, Stan, Eddie Howe is probably more suited than, than Lampard. But if you're going to do it, do it now because the longer you leave it, especially we're in the final third of the season, the right at the start of it. So if you're going to do it, you have to do it in the next fortnight or so for it to really have an impact. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree on the time. And it's, it's got to be now. It's now or never. And if, if hypothetically, if Eddie Howe was available today for Mike Ashley to swap, it's a big call. It, it is a big call because I know we obviously Eddie Howe, at the minute, I would say he's, he's a better manager um, and he's going to bring more points against them teams around Newcastle that he should be winning against, especially that big game against Fulham coming up at the end of the season. By then, it should be integrated. It's just whether or not Mike Ashley thinks that the, the team can switch straight away from the Bruce style of football to maybe an Eddie Howe style of football, yeah. which to be fair... With the top, with the players they've got, I I don't think it'd be that much of a problem. No, nor do I, especially because he's managed two of them in Wilson and in Fraser as well. We feel like a lot of people forget about that. And put it this way, Ashley, this is me talking to you now, fat lad. <laughs> it's either going to be you pay you pay now to compensate losing Brucey, 
or you pay at the end of the season when you get relegated, you lose Armiron, you lose St. Maximin, you lose Wilson, you lose Fraser, you lose the Premier League money. That's what I'd be worried about most. Yeah, yeah. You lose the Prem money and you lose your your spine in in Dubravka, our assets, Miggy and all them. So you you have a pay now, fat lad, or pay later. It, it, it's a, it's a if it was a different team, I think it'd be a, a harder call. But thinking of the Newcastle team now, with like they have got some technical players, the forwards we spoke about, Jamal Lewis, I think, is a brilliant left back, and I think he could be utilised very well by a more attacking style of football. And they got some pace on the right too. If they play Yedlin, I, I know that craft players in a minute. He's but, gone, Jim. Yedlin's gone. Has he gone? Who's, who's, the, got, who's the one they've got? Kraft. That's not craft. They've, they've got Kraft and Mankio. Yeah. The uh Mankio looks like a me off the Nintendo. Is that, is that actually the right hand side? Yeah. Yeah, class in it. Fucking oh, no, I could get a game. Right, maybe game, dust, dust off your Puma Kings. You're going in. Son. <laughs> That's awful that. I've not been taking notice. I thought Kraft was filling in for somebody because he's shitty. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Oh well, put, put, yeah, play someone else. Learning for Stephen Carr. Play someone else. Then. <laughs> I would. I would play them too. Play someone else then. <laughs> try someone else. Try Brucey there. Play a manager. Hey, hey, why not? We'll leave that there. Nineteen goals in a season. Steve Bruce, Newcastle right uh-huh. back. Maybe. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, guys. And by the sound of my voice, <laughs> what's coming? Lerfenable, Lerfenable round five. I'm coming. Um, keep... <laughs> I hope so. If you've been keeping tabs on the score, Stan is currently in the lead, a free one. Um, so I mean, Cook, it's you need to win now, otherwise it's going to be getting a bit ropey. I'll say I'll pull the pressure on you, and you are going first this week. I thrive. Um, well, let's let's see how we do. I think it's a tough one this week. What does pressure yeah. make? Diamonds. Well, this team didn't play a diamond. I give you that as a clue. Shit. <laughs> did the Avalon um, Sparkly? He's a diamond. They didn't. No, they didn't. But it is a team from Merseyside. Ooh, we're thinking it's Liverpool Everton. Okay, it, it's Liverpool. Um, the last time Liverpool, obviously Liverpool have found themselves in a bit of a top four race. And the last time Liverpool finished outside the top four, was the 2015-16 season when Brendan Rodgers <laughs> left for Klopp halfway through the season. Um, obviously, I'm not got a, a major link to a certain game, so I've gone for the biggest game of that season. It was the first season without Gerrard. They just come back against Borussia Dortmund in the semi-final of the Europa League. So the team I'm looking for is Liverpool's starting eleven in the Europa League final 3-1 loss to Sevilla. And I'm first. You might remember it and lose first, but yeah, it was the 3-1 loss to Sevilla in 2016. All right, first one off the bat because he scored. Daniel Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge did score and he's in there for the early doors. Oh, it was, it was, it was a great goal, to be fair. Um, the Belgian the Belgian waffle, Simon Mignolet. Yeah, 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 I don't know where he's going there, but yeah, Mignolet, he's in there at the back, in, in between the sticks. I forgot. One all. I forgot about Mignolet myself. To be fair, Stan. Uh, I'm gonna go for oh, fucking hell. I'm not even sure if he was if he was 100 percent there. I don't know how risky I can be, but I'll go Martin Skirtle. Martin Skirtle didn't start that night. No. Oh, 
what we, what we will notice is that the quality from this Liverpool team has risen rapidly over the years. Oh, fuck. So, Stan, you're up. Right, I'm going to guess this guy because I think he scored quite a vital goal against Dortmund in the semi. Mamadou Sacco. <laughs> he was banned for doping, motherfucker. I remember. Was he? Yeah, I remember that. Was you, have, you have remembered a certain player scoring a vital goal, but he wasn't Sacco. Maybe maybe Luke can think about who it was. Sacco did score, though, didn't he? Was he banned? That was wrong, that as well, wasn't it? He came out recently. Yeah. And Heavy. So, Lou. Um... Oh, God. Uh, I'm trying to think of that team at that time. Emery uh... yeah, Chan. Emery Chan. Emery Chan was in there. Yeah. yeah. I think that was a season he might have scored a, a lovely bicycle kick. Or maybe it was the season after. Watford, wow. Watford, that year. I can't remember if it was that year or not. So where you go, Stan? Lovren didn't play. I mean, Lovren. Sorry. Is, it, is that a yes? Yeah, no, what I was going to say is, but did Cook go Skirtle? So Skirtle didn't play, Sacco didn't play. So I think Lovren scored against Dortmund as well. So surely one of them three. It, it was Lovren who scored the vital goal, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's how it was. So yeah, yeah it was two each. Lovren did play at centre-back that day. Yeah, it had to be one of the... I'd fuck knows who played next to him if Skirtle and Sacco were out. I'm trying to think who would have been playing fucking fullback. Wait, what have what we got? So we've got keeper, we've got a centre-back. You've got Emery Can in midfield and a storage up front. You're missing four midfielders and three defenders. And this was 2015? So the 14, 20, 15... 20, no, no, 15, 16, so it's 2016. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a fucking it's a tough one because they had so many like placeholders back then. Do you know what I mean? So much dead wood back then, Liverpool. Uh, remember Gamero scoring for Sevilla? Does that count? I'll give it you if you want. It, it doesn't, I'm afraid. The one that was in my head isn't. Is, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Nathaniel Klein. Ooh, that's a big shout. I know. I know. I'm, I'm just letting the tension build. I wouldn't have gone, gone with that, but fair fucks. I'm trying to think who was knocking about as the, the right back at that. Cook, time. Nathaniel Klein was in the team. Oh, ho, ho! scenes! Klein, boy! So Stan has to, win, has to get it right. Shit, so I've had one wrong. Right, okay. Oh, so I'm thinking, shit. I think this is, this is a risk, but he was at Liverpool at the time. And I think he might have started against his old club. So Alberto Moreno. How I remember this game going was Alberto Moreno was horrendous at the back post. That's why I, that's where I was on. So Moreno did start and I believe I he was so bad yeah. that game. So yeah. I remember, I remember Sevilla, were they in it the year before as well and he played, but he played for Sevilla or something like that. I, 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 can't, I, mean, I just remember him like missing the ball at the back post twice. Yeah, I couldn't remember whether, whether he, he was at Liverpool yet or not, but I can't think of it. he it the year before? We've got Lovren centre back partner to go, um, and four midfielders still to go. One of my thoughts was Joe Allen, but I know Klopp didn't fancy him. Actually, I've got a shout. I've got another one, Cook, so you better get this right. Yeah. Well, unless he, you get it right, and then he's I put the it. pressure right on there. Yeah. I thought. See, I thought I had a massive pull then in Klein because I thought Stan would be footsy dog then. No, I was thinking of Moreno, <sighs> but I've got a few, but that I will risk one of the four if you manage to drop this one. You know what? Fuck it. This is a risk. James Milner. See, that's who I was thinking, but he's, he's a sub a lot, but we'll I see know. what the answer is. 
Just next to him, Ray Chan. He sat just next to him, Cook. Perfectly. <laughs> Four three. Right. Well, I'm going back to something that Jim said before. Fuck. About was it surprised we've not got this one? And that was Reno, s- to be fair. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. That's right. just crap. Just that, changed my mind. That's just because how I remember the game. Oh, Reno being awful. But. <laughs> I'm going to say this, just take the risk, because we've been going on for ages here. And I've got a slight lead on Cook, so I can afford the risk. All right, fuck it. I'm going to say Phil Coutinho. Oh, shit, I forgot about him. Phil Coutinho did start. He was the stands on to the right back. There's only three left. We could go for a full house. Oh, fuck, I forgot about that little ice gem head. There is a centre-back left that was at Liverpool at that time, Cook, that he he might have been his last season, this. But I think he was there for quite a long time. If you I'd think love of that, to get a full house. I would. I if you would think of, well. if you think of that group of Skirtle, Lovren, there's another one that was a little bit before them that I think it might be. See, I, I, th- I think you're alluding to Dagger there, and I don't, I don't think it is him. Well, that would have been my guess. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that free, free oh, tip. Thank you. In your position, that's where I'm going right now. Uh, look at Stan trying to mind fuck me, here, Jim. <laughs> is he in your head is he in your head is he fuck I mean he always is in my head but for other reasons uh, oh god um, they were so shit then weren't they <laughs> cook I'm going to have to push you in why, why couldn't they have stayed like this me tea's know, getting yeah. cold you know what fuck it I'm going to go for who can I see in that fucking shit Liverpool kit uh, so I'm, enjoy- I'm letting him I'm not pushing the time limit here because if he gets it right, I'm struggling. So, <laughs> Clavan. Is that your guess? Yes. Clavan didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> Please say Aga did. Cook, is Stan? Aga do. You. Aga do. Is Aga your guess? Yeah, I'll bat myself. I'll go with, with Mr. Aga at centre back. Cook, if you would have went Aga. You'd have been wrong and stand one ah! in your head. <laughs> Wait, okay, carry on then, carry on, pass the court, go to court. You carry on, make it so, close. So, so, so it's the last it's the last player now. Who the fuck played this? No, 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 there's there's still three players to get. You just sudden death, so I mean you both got it wrong. We need a winner. Oh shit, what yeah. You? Surely Martin Kelly didn't Season play in this game. 16, surely he wasn't still there. Yeah, you it was a, okay, it was the fourth it was a four two three one. You're missing two attacking midfielders and the centre back. I think I've got one here, you know. It's around that time, innit, when they fucking invaded Saints. I should have fucking thought when the I was thinking climb, of him as well. There's, La- there's Klein, there's Lambert, and there's my guess, Adam Liliana. Played. He's in. Oh, fuck. Two to yeah. go. Two to go. I'm fucking obsessed with this centre back. So it's not Sacco, it's not Skirtle. It's not, Aga. it's not Martin Kelly. It's not Ragnar Klavan. Now, the only player I can think of that I'm obsessed with this centre back and I don't have an answer for this centre mid that isn't a centre mid. So I'm going to go for the other and the final one of Liverpool's mid teens funny centre backs. And that has got to be Colo Torre. The me. Big legend, the invincible. Played. Of course he did. Of course he did. Experience in the final. He's got to rely on Colo. So now the game, we've never been in a 5-5 five, five situation, but 
He goes to the centre mid that wasn't he, he one. He goes to... If Cook gets this right, he wins. If Cook gets this wrong, he loses. It's in Cook's hands. Right, Jim said 4-2-3-1. I'm trying to use my tactical idea. Jim said 4-2-3-1, so... Adam Liliano was on the right or the left. Felipe was on one of the other sides. Chan and whoever the uh, Milner were holding. So it's a number 10, this. There's no way Philippe played as a 10. It has to be. That's my tactical knowledge anyway. Sturridge started. <sighs> yeah, but who was... I don't think Origi was there. Maybe Firmino was, because I feel like he's been there a while now. Origi for me, no. Origi for me, no. Origi for me, no. For me, no. Fuck it. And what are your thoughts on that one? Would you went for me, no? What, me? Yeah. Definitely, no. It, it might be right because that kind of fits into the. It's not it's my a tactical reason in that. <laughs> it's a striker playing in it. Well, I will say, I will say, Origi and Firmino were both in the squad. Oh, fuck. Oh, this is oh, no, please. And one came on for the other. Oh, no. You fucking saw him in there. No, Rigi oh, Defo came on, lad. Firmino would have started in camp because that's where he played when he was at Hoffenheim. So Stan has figured it out. And Cook, you are the winner. Firmino yes! Fucking full house, though, from the boys. Full house. <laughs> well, eventually. Event- yeah. Well, I mean, you got a few wrong on the centre box. You named everyone other than Hippier and Carragher. <laughs> True, <laughs> but fucking Colo Torre there. Planting there we go. Three two to Colo. stand. Pulls one back. Just as you're about to wind down from the cookie pod, I hope you did as well at elevenable as me and Stan have just done. There, Colo Torre. Who'd have thunk it, huh? But. Episode 95 this week. We hope we've given you the Cookie Pod Boys fix that you really want every single week. But we need to tell you where to get it when we're not around. So if you want to follow us on any of our socials, mainly Twitter and Instagram, it is at Cookie Podcast One. That's at Cookie Podcast, followed by the numerical one. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And we're now on Amazon Podcasts, as well as our platform our host platform, Anchor FM, if you have none of the above. So it's been episode 95, and that's the way the cookie crumbles, baby. See you later.